0: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Tea and Talks with Tina. I have a very special guest here with me today. Her name is Alice Thompson. Um, I will let Alice obviously introduce herself but I want to um, make a disclaimer as to why I'm doing this video. You may have seen Alice around a lot of Major news outlets, a lot of mainstream media, including news channels. Her story has been all over the UK and it's breaking a, a lot of headlines. So, today I want to bring you a different perspective. Um, this is a case of an employment tribunal. <clears throat> so, I want to bring you that perspective. So, the employer side of it, the employee side of it, and the HR perspective. So, Alice. Thank you so, so much for joining me here today. I know you've been super busy with everything that you've got juggling on. Um, So yes, Alice, if you wouldn't mind, um, tell us a little bit about your story and um, why you're here today to speak to me.
1: Um, Thanks, Tina. So um, hi, everybody. Um, Yeah, thanks for talking to me today. I think it's really important the reason that i'm here today and um, following my employment tribunal experience um, last monday we had the judgment come through where it did hit headlines because i won a landmark um, amount of money, I think, really, in a case like this, nearly 185,000 from my old employer for indirect sex discrimination. Because when I came back from maternity leave, I applied for flexible working, but that request was denied. So um, despite coming up with lots of different ways, I thought it might work for the business. And that meant that it would work around my family life too. I was just met with roadblocks all the way and there was a real stalemate. So we couldn't go forward. And I ended up resigning in December 2019. But I felt really frustrated that after spending more than a decade in the property industry in London, working my way all the way up to sales manager um, sort of earning a good salary of 120,000 um, plus with bonuses a year that that should just be cut off because I had the baby and I no longer fit into the workplace and I couldn't understand how that might be the case um, my performance I thought would speak for itself and um, but it didn't and I wasn't granted flexible working but I just couldn't make it work with my family so following the results um, that came out last Monday from the tribunal where they awarded me that amount of money in my win against my former employer I've had so many women reach out to me and say something like this happened to me when I had a baby and that's why when given these opportunities to talk about it um, it's really important that I give all of us women who have experienced some sort of discrimination in the workplace because we've had a child a voice because um, i was able to pursue this all the way through to tribunal but a lot of women aren't they don't necessarily have the mental capacity at the time, the financial resources or the energy, because ultimately, once you've had a child, you're healing physically, emotionally, it's really draining and um, then to take on a massive battle in court is just something some, some people might find a bit too much. So that's why I'm here with you talking about it, to give us all a voice,
0: really. I'm so glad that you have taken that stance on it because obviously with my background, I often face a lot of it. So discrimination happens in so many forms in the workplace. For, for yourself, sadly, it was, you know, in fact it sadly had to happen anyway, sad, but you had the sexual discrimination. Um, there's all sorts of, um, I mean, there's so many um, stories hitting the headlines at the moment from racial discrimination, which is, I mean, I can't believe we're in 2021 and all these things still happen, um, but there we go um and it's important that you're you know you're here today because for a lot of the people that are listening it serves as education for the employees but also just as you said um a lot of people don't have the mental capacity to to deal with something like this the you know the financial backing so it's important as women we know how to react what our rights are in that situation so perhaps we can avoid it going that far, and if not, how to deal with it if it does go that far. Um, So it's really important that today, you know, uh, I highlight what a lot of women should be doing and employers really need to think about. Um, So I'm just looking down here at the moment, Sophie here rustling, I've got my notepad with me today. Um, I read the tribunal papers and the um, insight from Judge Goodman, I have to admit, I was appalled with the lack of consideration from your employer. And I'm saying this from a professional perspective. Um, I mean, if I get into, the, into it, I could be here for days. Um, but one of the things that I want to point out is your employer said, right, we're not discriminating against Alice because we had another gentleman in the workplace who applied for flexible working, and we turned it down. Now, the court didn't say what they mm. thought about that, but throughout the paper, they kind of, you know, Judge Goodman gave indications and said, look, you know, you know this, you know, she kind of gave her opinion. Um, but I was shocked that that wasn't pulled up because mm. to say that as a business, we have denied flexible working for somebody else, and therefore we're going to deny it for you because of maternity and, you know, um, balancing your life, so therefore, I am, you know, I'm not acting, you know, with um, discrimination. Is, I mean, I have, I have. There's not enough words to tell you what that I what I hear when I when I hear that. That just says to me that your employer, just, to be honest with you, really doesn't care for livelihoods of employees, the mental state uh, of employees, your well-being. So. In my view, I don't know if you agree, it's probably worse that they just turn down, you know, everybody's work-life balance. I mean, did they even risk assess you or look at the situation to, you know, give you alternatives to say, right, this is not going to work because of X, Y and Z, but let's try this. Did that ever happen? Because I didn't read that in the papers. No, so um, that's actually something I brought up
1: uh when we were in the tribunal as well no risk assessment while i was pregnant happened and i think that um companies need to really broaden their perspectives and show a level of human decency and care for the people that work for them because i put a lot of um energy and effort into building a successful business and that's exactly what I did and um, I started there in October 2016 after a really successful career at a corporate firm for nine years and I moved to a small independent firm thinking um, I'd learn more about business because there were less people and I'd be more involved with different arms of the business and I could um, sort of grow and flourish and just learn more about business. Um, but. But with that, there came a real lack of HR protocol. And I think even if there's a lack of HR protocol, if you are just a nice person interested in your staff, you can sort of get by, you know, even if a risk assessment hadn't happened, there would have been how are you feeling How's your chair? Are you okay? Let me know if you've got any, I'm an open, you know, there's an open door here. Please let me know if I can help with anything or make your, you know, time more comfortable at work while you're heavily pregnant. Um, if you're, because that's kind of the type of manager that I am, I take an interest in my employees. So the HR protocol is there and that's quite simple in a way. It's a bit of a, it's a black and white law that you should abide by. But if you actually then take it to the next level and you just are interested in your employees' lives, I think you'll get much more out of your employee. And as a business, you will flourish because those employees will give you um, more dedication and care and they really will want the business to succeed because they feel part of a partnership they feel part but they're building something together and that's a real mindset that you know is important in management and leadership and I think when you have um, cases where there is that lack of care and there is that lack of consideration um that really comes through in cases like mine, because it just, it becomes a black and white, legalistic, adversarial approach um, that's hostile. And it's not a conversation. It's not an open-ended discussion or negotiation. There's no counter offers. And um, that's, you know, running a business, I think, really important. I think it is important to take an interest in care and if you don't take an interest in care, you need to follow the HR protocols because at least that is set out in there. You need to employ someone specifically to take care of those things for you. Um, but Ultimately, I believe that businesses are much more successful if they have a great working relationship with their staff because staff want to stay for longer and they want to try harder and they'll go out of their way. There's give and take, and it's much more beneficial to both the employee and the business. So I think it's really short-sighted of businesses to not diversify their workforce. And um, when you think about clients as well, The type of clients we deal with uh, or we dealt with in um, that sort of area, clients have families, they have kids, they have extended families, they have elderly parents, they were an international group of people I worked with, which is what I found very interesting about the job. Having worked in South London, it was very much sort of young professional families moving. And that was really nice as well. Really great to sort of meet lots of different people. But coming to that Bay market, it was very much an international um, group of people. And that was further interesting because you just learn so much about people's lives and stories. And I loved my job from that perspective. Um, But your clients love dealing with people they can relate to. So the fact I was having a baby and I was going to be a mum, some of my clients were over the moon. They were really excited, calling me up, asking how it's going. Have you found out the gender? how are you feeling and I thought crikey my clients are showing me more care and attention than my employer is what's going on so from a business perspective and if you're a leader I think you've got to realize that you'll actually expand your client base if they can connect with the staff in your office but if you don't have a diverse client base then you can't connect in the same way so you're actually doing yourself out of business it's almost kind
0: of weird it's like you know, we're going to, you know, track the market that's diverse and, you know, all different backgrounds. And I mean, I love that area. It is so diverse. Um, it's, it's an affluent part of London for anybody that doesn't know where it, um, where that is. And you have a lot of international um, people coming over specifically around, you know, a certain time of year. And they come into because um, you were in the, I mean, you're still in the property sector. So they come into to rent or buy. So it's important that you build that relationship and this is another thing that really kind of struck um, out in your papers. So, you know, one of the reasons uh, given, you know, that, um, you know, where they said they'll t- they're, they're going to have to deny your um, flexible working request um, was because of things like that. And, it's crazy to me because, of course, I mean, you you know what the ACAS um, code is and, you know, the ACAS website is an organisation that the UK liaises with a lot with these kind of things. And a lot of um, employers get their kind of advice from that um, independent body. Um, but in there, it's interesting because there is a whole section on flexible working. And it's important to realise that employers have a legal right to ask for flexible working arrangements. Um, and that could be for a number of different reasons, you know, pregnancy, maternity, um, em- employees have that right, sorry, but employers can turn your request down. However, the reasons are highlighted and specific, um, which is one of the reasons that your your ex-employer gave, which obviously means they've done their research or they have some sort of HR backing and I know they had Peninsula with them. Um, Yes, and they said it's going to cost too much. Now, for me, I think one of the reasons why they lost that case is to make such a statement that, you know, is part of the nine characteristics, you know, nine reasons why you can turn down a flexible working request. You know, you've mentioned that, but there was no backing of it. You know, there's another reason, you know, there'll be negative. You know, the quality of work will be quite poor. You, you have to prove it and not just prove it, you can put certain things in place. And I think you probably would have appreciated if that's something your employer was to raise. Um, right, Alice, I think that the work that you might produce might be of quality because you'll be here for um, you know a limited amount of time, perhaps having a system where you can monitor that. Um, and, and another thing that was said was, you know there'll be less revenue on your part, could you be working less hours, but interestingly, on the ACAS website, there is an exact example of the same situation. They actually give examples of when it's okay to turn down a flexible working request and when it's not. And they had an example on there that um was person X who was working for an estate agency who asked for some time off for whatever reason. And the employer said, it probably won't work, but, you know, let's assess it, let's put some processes or protocols in place to assess your quality of work or your productivity and then it turned out that because they were working for a certain type of agency or were in a certain area clients really loved the fact that that person was available at weirder times not the bog standard Monday to find a nine-to-five and actually it turned out really really good so for me if they did a little bit more research they wouldn't have won it anyway you've got an exact example of a complete or almost identical situation um where the managers said right we'll assess it and they did and it worked out better so do you think if they had done that that you would have been able to show them right you know these this is my reporting perhaps let's do weekly reporting and this is my productivity levels and actually it could work out Do you think that would have been, you know, it would have actually worked out? Or do you think, you know, they might have seen less quality in the work?
1: i think that um i proposed to them so many suggestions and justifications of how it would work but they provided no tangible justifications or explanations why it wouldn't work as you said they i think literally just bullet pointed the characteristics down as reasons and then didn't expand so it's like how does that relate specifically to your business um and i think that um when I've, I've been working in the industry for a long time, and so I am really a sophisticated negotiator at the top of my field in my work. Reducing my day by an hour a day is not going to have a detrimental impact on my level of work because where it might take somebody junior more time and energy to achieve the same results, I've worked in the industry for so long and built relationships that i can do my work effectively in the time offered and i think that's something that employers they just panic there's a massive stigma attached to evidently mums coming back to work and i've heard this from so many mums where they've said something similar happened to me but we're career women in the prime career point of our life of childbearing age and we've got so much to offer businesses from an empathetic point of view we understand human emotions because we're mums we've brought a child into the world we have to you know care for that little dependent person and we bring that element into the workplace but we also bring into the workplace some really sort of sophisticated ways of thinking, and we're educated, successful business women who have had successful careers. And to just assume because now you're a mum and you've got another priority out of work, to sort of think, oh, well, that's not going to fit into my business. It's so short sighted and so closed, narrow minded. And I think um, there were there's definitely easy ways to have made my work work what I was proposing because when I went on maternity leave my interim sales manager replacement for my maternity leave became a full-time member of staff so she became the assistant sales manager which was a role that had never existed in the office before so in effect an extra person was working in the office to you know with me coming back there would have been an extra person in place so when they said they couldn't cover the workload i said but there's one extra person now who's a permanent member of staff we always worked on two or three people before me coming back would make you know a team of four yeah. and um one of the arguments given in the tribunal was uh, well i might have had to make someone re- redundant and i said well how- that was actually brought up by peninsula and i thought well, why should it be me that has to be made redundant? But not that I was made redundant, I resigned, but it was just all hypothetical and it didn't make any sense to me because I thought me coming back would surely generate business growth further. So actually we should be busy. The property industry is a difficult industry to work in and there's a high turnover of staff as well. You don't know that people all stay you know, for a decade, but certainly if they do stay, you will get the best out of those people and they'll build long-term relationships and build your business so i think a lot of this stuff is um based on you know hypothetical situations what if this happens what if that that might leave me in this situation but it's not speaking from a real experience of i know that you can do your job really well you proved it you performed you built the business you banked me my business a lot of money I know you can do the job. Please come back. Let's make it work. It wasn't like that. It was like, oh, well, this might happen. That might happen. Actually, it's easier if you don't come back. And um, I'm just, you know, it was very
0: bizarre. It perplexed me. There was no strategic management. There was no actual process. And I read that they they were silent on maternity terms and contracts. So there's so many alarm bells just ringing to me. And, I, and, I, and I, it really um, fascinated me that even Peninsula was able to, you know, they were in the drive seat for a lot of it and were voicing a lot of this and I thought, you know, it's I mean I say simple things, but to to show that you have actually a strategic management plan in place, you know, it holds a lot of weight, particularly in a situation like this. And to make a comment that you know I would have, you know, might have had to make somebody redundant, that, you know, that tells me There's some form of unfair practice going on, because to make a comment like that, really plucking it out thin air, you know, where was the justification, where was the assessment of a situation, where was the driving factors, what factors did you consider, what external factors, did you look at the economy, did you look at the local market, you know, what made you make a comment like that, because the only reason that comment was made is you know it was attached to maternity and pregnancy which is an absolute no-no it, it, it just cannot happen in in I mean it's even a protected in characteristic isn't it it's like yeah.
1: I'm gonna go on maternity leave I'm going to come back and I should be coming back to my job but um yeah I, I also um going back to a previous question I proposed that I used my accrued annual from maternity leave, because when you're on maternity leave, you're still considered an employee and you collect your your annual leave days. So I must have had about 30 annual leave days. And what a friend had done a couple of years previously is um, use one day's holiday a week to phase her return to work on four day weeks. So I proposed that and I said, if that works and we can show that productivity remains high, maybe we can in, you know, however, uh, 30 weeks time, look at making it a permanent situation. And that was a no as well. So all of these suggestions, you know, I feel like if anything, that should have been the employer's suggestion coming to me. I'm a bit worried about you going down to a four day week because of productivity, but you've got these annual leave days. They can't suggest how you use your annual leave, but they also can't tell you that you can't use your annual leave in that way as well. So they're stepping on, thin ice and um, to, I think that would have been a really good way around it. You know, if I put my employer hat on, I think, you know, you're sort of trying to make it work for someone, see how phase somebody's return to work. And if it works for both of you, you can make it more permanent. And I think the tribunal also um, questioned, why couldn't you make it work? Why couldn't you adjust her salary and her commission to reflect the work that she's doing and the time that she's there, and again, a substantial justification wasn't given. So
0: it's like, what's the reason? There's no good reason given. Absolutely no good reason. And I know there's been a lot of um, commentary, and you know, on both sides of the fence, you know, people saying, you know, I don't agree to the tribunal decision, and some saying that I do, but. I mean, with just the context of what we've spoken about so far, it's, you know, for them to, you know, if it was a situation where they, you know, won and you wasn't awarded, that I would actually be quite concerned. I would actually want to do something a little bit more about it because with everything that we're discussing, it's, they were they kind of set themselves up to fame anyway because, you know, like you said, it's one of the uh, protective characteristics. Mm-hmm. So you are treading on thin ice. As soon as somebody you know, is pregnant or comes back from maternity leave, you know, automatically an employer should think, right, something is going to change here. And, you know, the the problem that I have with just the, all industries actually, just the corporate world is when an employee says flexible working or work-life balance, an employer hears never at work and low productivity. But flexible working means something completely different to everybody because you take into consideration your own circumstances and and your own lifestyle. And um, when you, well, your your story was mentioned on LBC and they opened the conversation up to callers. And somebody called, well somebody texted in actually and uh, made a comment that actually really bothered me. He said, um, it was a he, I know it was a he. He said that, well, actually, I don't know why we're still talking about this, because in actual fact, it's not even it's not your employer's duty to care about your lifestyle. You're there for a set number of hours and days. And I think that's the same perspective that your employer's had. You're there or you're contracted to work for a certain amount of hours, you know, or you know, this type of routine, this is a timetable. You just do it. It's not your employer's duty to care about your lifestyle. And my response to that is quite simply working flexibly and you know the request for some sort of work-life balance is not going anywhere anytime soon we have a generation X right now which are uh, I believe people born you know after or you know around 1995 their way of working is in the academic side of things the things that they're taught how they're coached in school college, university the working life from people that they're around it, the teachings doesn't show them what it means to work 60 hour days you know they don't want to work 60 hour um, weeks they don't want to do a lot of things that you know a lot of stakeholders can say we've done that to get to where we are today they're just not going to do it so this request of work-life balance and flexible working isn't going anywhere so when people make comments like that it, it fascinates me because if you, you know, it's most probably business owners. If you're going to sustain your business and, you know, you want it to be, you know, around in 15, 20 years time, you're employing generation X or Z or, you know, whichever, that's going to be your workflow. So if you don't learn how to incorporate flexible working into your practice, then your business isn't sustainable because the biggest asset to any business is its employers. They bring in your knowledge. And from reading the paper, um the tribunal papers, it was noted that your performance and your, you know, you're reaching your targets, all of that, your performance was really high quality with the amount of, you know, revenue generated for the company and your, your clients and reaching your target. So I would have said that you're a high performing employer, employee, so, I mean, you were working on a commission um rate as well i mean that in itself is a form of you know it's performance based isn't it so if you're shaving off an hour of your job what other practices do you need you'll be you're being paid to research and targets and you can you can see that you know and um i know you've um you've got your own business now haven't you yes so i set up a self-employed business yeah how has that experience affected your practices with your employees well, at the moment, it's uh, I
1: set it up this year because um, I do feel like there's a real lack of flexibility for people of a senior level in corporate businesses and that sort of corporate world. So when you become a mum, I think, you know, I was looking for flexible working options and there's a real limited variety of them. And I speak to other mums who get stuck in their job because they were granted flexible working but they can't go anywhere else or try and climb the career ladder because there's no other available flexible working options to them so they get stuck in their role and um, that's a real problem. Um, when I haven't employed anyone under me yet but when I do I will look at positive recruitment and specifically try and help people like myself who have young children and want the flexibility. You touched on a few things in what you were talking about and the negative comments that have come through. It's so interesting because I've received such overwhelming positive support from other women and other men out there who have been touched by my case. and. I had a dad email me and he said thank you so much my wife went through an awful experience at work with maternity leave and we're embarking on a tribunal process now and I know seeing your win has given her hope and so there's a lot of them it's not just women there's men and there's dads out there too but it's mostly from men the positivity comes from men who have felt discrimination somehow in the workplace through themselves or a family member, be it a woman or a man who's been discriminated against for other reasons that you you might have touched on earlier on. But um, I think when people come forward and they're negative about the result of my tribunal, it's the same comments and the same argument that seems just really pig-headed and dare I say bigoted I think it's probably the perfect description for these kind of comments because the people who are saying it probably don't understand have never been in the position that they've been discriminated against at work so they're either perhaps a man who hasn't had a been pregnant, given birth, nurtured that child or it's a woman maybe of a certain age or position who she's just accepted the hard way that she couldn't have it so why should anybody else have it but actually what I'm trying to do is make a difference in a positive way for my daughter's future so that this doesn't come around again in 20 or 30 years time. I hear echoes of it from my mum's generation. I had um, a friend's mum reach out to me and said, gosh, I worked in the oil industry in the 80s, and I thought all of this was done with, but it seems not. And so it's like it's echoed through generations of women, and it's time something changed. And um, I think a lot of people are fearful of change and actually they should embrace it. It's when, you know, we talk about protected characteristic. Oh, I'm so scared. I've got a pregnant woman. She's going to come back. She's going to want flexible working. Don't be scared. Embrace it. If that person's a valued employee, value them have a conversation with them if you're not in a position that you feel empathetic enough to have that conversation get a great hr person to have that conversation with them and don't be scared embrace that change because it's coming and humans are amazing at adapting look at us with covid we all got used to being at home all the time doing things on zoom um but humans adapt and I think people need to accept that we're all going to have to adapt to change and this is going to be the change is flexible working COVID brings me on to the technology element you don't have to be in a physical location to effectively do your job and you mentioned about sort of key performance indicators and things like that how can you monitor progress you can absolutely do that through um, technology and people don't need to be in a set location but if that means a mum could maybe work from home one or two days a week so she's close to her kid's school or close to nursery or her child's got the chicken pox and needs to watch films at home all day she doesn't need to lose out on a day's salary she can continue doing her work from the sitting room on the laptop caring for her child in breaks and making sure they're okay um i don't understand how businesses don't see that flexible working actually offers them a way where their staff will be able to work in a way that works better for them too. So exactly.
0: yeah, lots of things that I've just sort of rambled on and covered there. you are absolutely you're right because these conversations are important. So we we, we talk about appreciation in the workplace and appreciating your employees. You know, that's, you know, there's so many ways to appreciate your employees. You know, you can look at, you know, pay rises, you look at development programs, training and promotions. But actually it's on a compassionate level as well. If you have somebody who is a mum in the workplace or a dad, dads have responsibilities too, um, to afford them that flexible working. And you know, if you're, you know, with, with your ex-employer, you're you're somewhat a reputable company, it's applying you know, the technology, perhaps implementing something different for them to work in a different setting. Or you know, to say that fine, you know, we've got heavy nail fix on these days, but let's work around something and for me it's that education because you're absolutely right that the people that frown upon flexible working are people from the same group you can categorize them in similar or the same it's
1: all the same kind of discriminant i mean it's discriminatory in itself the comments are shockingly embarrassingly discriminatory and i read them and i think wow you guys have to i actually well i read them and then i stopped reading them um because i just thought well it's like the same person's written this it's the same mindset it's the same narrow mindedness it's the same sort of um bigoted stance and actually broaden your perspective and get out there and maybe understand how some mums like me have suffered discrimination because I've had a baby and actually there are so many stories across so many industries in exactly the same vein that something similar happened to me so don't be annoyed that it's happening it is happening let's accept it let's change it let's try and make things better for people that
0: we care about and i'm glad we are talking about the human aspect because obviously we spoke about um the strategic side so the you know the corporate policies and you know having things in place but actually a hr consultant human resources consultant It's not going anywhere. That industry is not going anywhere. We have a world right now where, you know, we spoke about the younger generation, they're going to come in, they're going to be the future of businesses, the business owners. There's going to be no such thing as, you know, I work 100 hours a week now because they're just not going to allow it. They're going to look at, you know, mental health in the workplace and promote, um, you know, well-being and things like that. So the world is changing. If we don't move with it, and that's the human side of it, you know, I want to make people aware of the fact that, you know, all of these, you know, negative comments are going around. But actually, we are human, and while we have things like AI, robotics, and automations playing a huge role in the world right now, and actually with our jobs, the human aspect is going nowhere. So it's it's key for employers to understand and utilize everything that they have in a in a human being, the skill set, the education, the experience behind having an employee, and actually, um. I find that when we're looking at performance, when, you know, like I say, you know, you could be awarded a pay rise to show appreciation, but to have that level of compassion and say, right, you know, I understand, you need to get off an an hour, for goodness sake, early a day, Um, go and do that. It drives motivation. And, you know, it sounds like a cliche, or we're talking about this, and, you know, there'll be business owners listening to this thinking, right, you know, I'm in that category, actually. But let's think about it. If if, if you if they don't want to think about the cliche side of it, inverted commas, let's think about it, you know, strategically. It's there's so many psychology studies out there done centuries ago, you know, now that show that that kind of, you know, compassion drives motivation in the workplace. So it drives someone's passion to succeed. Um, but actually, the other problem for me is when workplaces do allow for that flexible working that's great that's the first step but it's important that these women or you know these people are afforded the same development opportunities you know we have you know with some places workplaces and industries they've got as far as allowing for that work you know it's a legal obligation which a lot of people don't know so they've gone that far Um, but when it comes to development and I have to apologize for the um, the video aspect of it. I'm moving around because I am in a room with um, motion-sensored lights. And um, for the podcast aspect of it, you don't get to see that, so that's great. Um so, you know, I find that a lot of women are not awarded the same development opportunities. And, and it bothers me because, you know, there's a chance for promotion. Employers think, well, I've, I've allowed you flexible working. I've actually heard comments like, you're here three days a week, what could you possibly do in a position like that? What could you bring? But again, there's key analysis methods that employers can use. Bring in a great HR consultant that will look at your workforce, drive that motivation, but actually educate themselves. And I think it should be a legal requirement for um, employers to offer awareness of these things from their employees and actually for themselves. So I'm a diversity and inclusion specialist. I have. Know, a, a series of different training qualifications around diversity and inclusion so i'm big on that subject and i can go on forever but diversity isn't just about mums it's about all types of people in the workplace from you know from race religion and often you find that the the people that turn down mums flexible work and requests are the people that are probably discriminating against every other characteristic that they shouldn't you know, we're in a world right now where, where having that sort of diversity and inclusion in your workplace drives innovation. It promotes different ideas and thinking because people come from different backgrounds. Like you said, a mum can bring in different elements to the workforce that you can't if you're not a mum. You know, you have that level of compassion. You've got a different, you know, because you're caring for somebody, you're looking after somebody. You know, you're taught something mentally, emotionally, physically that, One can't be taught unless you go through that. So, you know, it's better for British practice, you know. And that's the the main thing I want people to take away from this is is the fact that, I mean, I believe that it would have been a great working arrangement for you. You know, you would have been, you've been there for a long time. It would have been a great, you know, I wish we didn't have to have this conversation. Um, I wish it could have been different, but I'm I'm, in a way, I, I want to look at the silver lining for you. I think you've started a great, you know opportunity for yourself you're self employed um you're in a position and in a market where you know you've got a wealth of knowledge and contacts you know i'm sure so you know i really hope that you can you know, you, you know i know that you're going to use all of this and you know really drive that and hopefully change things for us because i'm a mum so I, I i get it so i i'm i'm really rooting <laughs> for you at you know to help you know with everything because we're having this conversation and it it plays a part but really we need it in practice don't we we do we
1: do we need it in practice and that's why we need to keep talking about it and raising awareness of it and that's why you know mums who are suffering need to um speak up and you know if if they have the energy and they're, they're in that time frame um where they can they need to sort of challenge and um, fight for what they believe in because that's the only way that things will change. You mentioned so much, you know, really important stuff just then and I do um, one thing I I sort of wanted to mention you there's, you can have a, a boss who just sort of barks orders and tells you what to do and then you have a leader who really grows and nurtures their staff and with that comes a much more successful business than the former. It's, you know, even you, you have to show people and be involved with the work, you can't just tell people what to do and expect them to respect you. Respect is earned and you really have to roll your sleeves up sometimes and help out and be part of the team. And I think those environments will flourish going forward. But I totally agree with you. I just don't think the next generation will accept what we've accepted, what our parents accepted. They've come from different generations, different societal um, effects happening. But I don't think the next generation will accept how it's been played out, you know, nine to five, nine till six role, I think, um, was uh, designed by Henry Ford for factory workers decades ago. Well, we're not working in factories, specifically in this case, anyway. And we've got technology now. So we've got a mobile phone, a laptop, remote working is possible. We're in a different age. And that is why this isn't going to go away because there's no sensible justification why flexible working can't be granted with everything at our disposal.
0: Exactly. Um, I think you've raised some amazing points and you know it's taken such a different angle because I've listened to all your interviews and read everything that there is to read on it but again it had such a different perspective while it was great and it raised awareness I'm, I'm hoping that this will serve as some form of education to look at really things in, in a different light so look at things from an actual strategic point of view and i say that and i've said that throughout this um interview a lot because there's there's a there, there's a lot to it. There, there, it it means more than just saying having a strategic form of management there's there's a wealth of studies so before i started recording this and alice and i had a conversation and and one of the things that i mentioned is there's a wealth of studies and theories and actual academic tools that we can apply as HR consultants to the workplace to mitigate any possibility of low productivity or even liability in some cases. There's so many things that can can be done. Um, So it's really important that employers actually seek to engage with these types of things and for employers to understand. So, You know, I hope anyone um, watching this or listening to this um, has, if, if anything, has taken, you know, from this what their rights are as an employee, what they can do, the points that they can raise, the things that they can ask for in action. But one of the key things that I would say that I read is you had a conversation with your manager, but you followed that up with an email, which was so key as part of the tribunal, because these conversations happen and there's no record. Um, I what, One of the things that I tell employers and everybody else to do is have some sort of record keeping. So when you have off-the-book conversations, for example, if an employee employee you know has been involved with an adverse incident but you want to have an informal chat which is the first stage have some sort of record keeping because someone can say well that didn't happen and this didn't happen and you have to understand again it's the human element of it that's never going to go away and that's the kind of debates that humans will have in the workplace so i'm so pleased that you did that because it wasn't talked about so much in the tribunal but coming from the whole employment law side and everything, it was so key. So That is a
1: really important point, and I just wanted to expand briefly on that, that um, if anybody's going through something similar now, you're 100% correct. There were claims I made that weren't upheld in the tribunal because I didn't have enough evidence, and it's not that the tribunal believed me or the employer, there was just a lack of evidence to know who was telling the truth and that what I did win on was what I'd put in writing because that came when I was trying to return to work and it became quite legalistic and adversarial, quite hostile and I had it in writing so it was easy for the tribunal to award me um, on that, that okay yeah I can see that she's made it easy for me to see that that did happen so any advice i'd give to somebody going through something similar exactly as you said have a conversation follow it up in writing i naively trusted that my previous good working relationship and performance and all of that you know i thought we i can have a conversation we're adults i don't need to follow it up in writing wouldn't that be a bit weird not at all it's professional you have a conversation you follow it up in writing then if nothing else you've got an email to say this conversation happened and it's proof exactly
0: exactly well it's been a learning curve for so many in your story yeah. um and i mean i think we've raised so many amazing points so i think at this point i want to thank you so so much for joining me today um you've been so busy but we've we've got a different perspective on this now and it's been great having you on and I will be in contact because there's so many things that I want to go through with you but we'll do that together um but yes thank you so much for having me. it's great to talk to you amazing well you take care and I will end the call just well I'll thank stop just now thank you